Bill Walton was such an amazing coach for so many reasons. I remember when I showed up there thinking I knew everything about how to play volleyball. And it turns out he had so much to teach me because he was this incredible skills coach. He also knew how to motivate us, to make us just work harder and want the win more. And he knew which of us could be yelled at and which of us needed a softer approach. But something that I had never done before when it came to a sport was that every year at the beginning of the season, he would say, what is your priority? What are your goals this season? And he would say, I want you to know for me, my goal, this was my freshman year, my goal is that we make it to the Southwest Conference Championship. And then my sophomore year, we didn't have to make that a goal because we knew we were going to win and beat all the other Texas teams. And so he said, I, our, my goal is going to be that we get to the second round of the NCAA tournament. And that year, we made it to the Elite Eight and ended up fifth in the nation. And I remember when we got to that accomplishment, I wasn't that surprised because he had told us, I want you to picture in your mind your goal. And then what is it going to take to get there? And so when we accomplished it, I had already pictured it in my head. I imagine setting goals is something that all of us are familiar with. I am, not I, I am very curious, though. Over the past years, we have had this variety of interruptions in our life. Have we reprioritized any of them? And even more, have we taken the time to look at what those goals were before? And in light of all that we have learned in this past year, has anything changed? One of my personal goals, BC, before COVID, was to always make sure to have plenty of fresh fruits and vegetables in the house. It was like this mom thing that I knew that they weren't ever going to eat fresh fruits and veggies unless I had them there. Now, when I go to the grocery store... It's not just about the fresh fruits and veggies. I have to make sure I have the canned fruits and veggies because who knows what might happen next week. We have had our lives interrupted and this has led to a different set of priorities. We have experienced what life is like without all of those after work and after school activities, without social outings, with friends and family, without travel and I heard you and your pastors heard you over and over and over again in the past year, how great it was and how you were going at a pace that was not sustainable. How you enjoyed that family time, that alone time. We needed our family to take a breath. Even two weeks ago, our lives were interrupted again with those snowstorms, like life and what we thought was important on February 12th ended up being so different a few days later. My neighbor told me she has learned that all Texans after this year need three things. They need a four-wheel drive car, they need a generator, and now we need snow shovels. And so I guess what I've realized is as long as I live next to people that have those things, then I will be fine. We have felt uncomfortable and out of sorts, these interruptions, and they have forced us to do life differently. What I want us to consider today 
is when we go after COVID, when things get back to normal, do we really want things to be just as they were? I think that right now is the time to stop and look at what are the priorities and goals in our lives based on what we have learned and based on the fact that we are a people of faith. Jesus loves to push people to consider what's the goal behind that? What's your priority for doing that thing? In our text today, Jesus is at another party like he was last week, but it's a different party at a different Pharisee's home. And two things happen right before our text today that I think are super important for our context to know. He's at the party and he notices two things. First, he notices how people are choosing their seats at the party. And it's like everyone wants to get a seat that's near the host. They want a seat of honor. And then he's looking around the party and he notices that the Pharisee has invited lots of people. But all of those people are his friends, they're his family, and they're his rich neighbors. He tells the host of the party, the next time you throw a party, why don't you consider inviting people who can't repay you for your kindness? And Jesus then tells a parable that we will read today. Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, I pray this beautiful story would offer us insight and even more so, God, that your word would marinate within to our very being and that this week it would come again and come forth that we would take time to consider what is really important in our lives. Amen. Hear now the reading from Luke's gospel, chapter 14. One of the dinner guests on hearing Jesus said to him, blessed is anyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. And then Jesus said to him, someone gave a great dinner and invited many. At the time for the dinner, he sent his slave to say to those who had been invited, come for everything is ready now. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a piece of land and I must go out and see it. Please accept my regrets. Another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I'm going to go try them out. Please accept my regrets. Another said, I have just been, mar I have just been married and therefore I cannot come. So the slave returned and reported to his master. And then the owner of the house became angry and he said to his slave, well, go out at once into the streets and lanes of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind and the lame. And the slave said, sir, what you ordered has been done and there's still room. Then the master said to the slave, go out into the roads and lanes and compel people to come in so that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those who were invited will taste my dinner. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In our passage, Jesus is at a dinner party and he notices who has been invited and how those that have been invited are uber concerned about getting the best seat. 
And in that moment, Jesus is always trying to make real life faith connections for people. That's what scripture is meant for, friends. And so right there at the party, Jesus tells this parable about a party. In the parable, invitations go out to tons of people. The Greek word that's used for what type of party this was, was mega. Think like a gala or a prom. This is a huge deal. And the number of invitations went out. The word that's used there means the multitude, the masses of people. This was literally the biggest party of the year. But then it it turns in the story because when it's time for this mega amazing gala, all the people invited come up with excuses for why they can't attend. One had just bought some new property and needed to go tend it. And so that person's priority was that they needed to take care of their possession. Another one had just bought this yoke of oxen and needed to go try it out. And that person's priority was that they needed to take care of what they had just bought. And then another one had just gotten married. And so his priority was on this relationship. Now, before any of us cast judgment, because that's what I did at first, I went back and read and it says that all that were invited made an excuse. The first two had these excuses about things they bought. The second one was about a relationship. You see, all of them had priorities. They were setting goals. It's just that none of them thought that going to the party was more important. What we need to remember is that this parable, why Jesus tells this parable in this moment He tells this parable in response to a comment that someone made about the kingdom of God. A guest said, blessed is anyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. You see, Jesus tells this parable because he wants to clarify what the kingdom of God is like. Jesus gives a metaphor. Can you believe that when Jesus gives a metaphor for what the kingdom of God is like, It's a huge, mega throwdown of a party. And then a few verses later in chapter 17, Jesus says, that kingdom of God, it's among you. That party is supposed to be happening here. So if the faithful life where we are experiencing the kingdom of God here is compared to a party, How are we supposed to live our lives as people of faith? Notice how concerned Jesus is with who is invited to the party. He gives the categories. He says, the blind, the lame, the crippled, and the poor. In first century, these would have been all folks that lived on the margins. And what I mean by the margins, it means that these were folks that did not have accesses to the resources of employment, of everyday food and water. And for many people, they didn't have access to a supportive community. I know that this is a life goal for so many at the Westlake Hills Presbyterian Church. During this past year, Stacy, Jan, and all of our deacons, they wanted to be sure that no one felt alone. 
And so every single person over the age of 70 received a phone call. And every single one of our folks that it's in an assisted living has received baskets and calls every single week. And this has gone on for over a year. You see, being part of the kingdom means making sure that one of our priorities is to care for those that are on the margins. The second thing I noticed about this metaphor about the kingdom of God is that at this party, God is the host. When I think about parties, especially ones where I am not the hostess, those are the best type of parties. I think of enjoyment and delight. I think about laughing until my jaw hurts so badly because my friend Betsy has just imitated how competitive I am in front of everybody and it's just been spot on. I think of seeing people I love and then getting to go up to those people and hugging them and reminding them how amazing they are. I think of how as the night goes on and people kind of get past the, the chit chat, someone tells a story and you end up finding something about them and being connected to them in a way that is so much deeper than before the party. I think of how at most parties that my parents host, my dad can't get through the prayer at dinner because he's so overwhelmed with gratitude. I think of my husband who at parties, even when he's not the host, he uses his gift of hospitality to make sure that everyone feels welcome and has a glass of wine in their hand. Friends, this is what it looks like to live as people of faith with a kingdom mindset. And so I wonder, do my goals reflect this parable? Do my priorities in my life have a kingdom mindset? Do my life goals have any concern for those that are on the margins? Do my life goals include me and those that I love in this church using their gifts to bless others? Do my life goals include radical gratitude? Do my life goals involve connecting deeply with others and telling them how great they are? Do my life goals make sure I am enjoying life to its fullest? While there are many things I am ready to be back to normal and I know for you, I do not want the goals of my life to be the same as before COVID. Now is the time to prioritize our life goals as people of faith. And so I want to encourage you to do like my coach taught me. I want you to picture what you want your life to look like in a year with a kingdom of God mindset. For me, in a year, I want to be more deeply connected to people and not just know more people. I want to encourage others to use their gifts and not just focus on my own. I want to listen more and I want to laugh until my jaw hurts. May it be so in my life and in yours. Amen.